Welcome to Tucson New Thought. So if you know that song, Annie's song, the song of John Denver, you'll know that we changed the lyrics a bit. <laughs> just, just a bit. But only to, you know, uh, to, to, to not put it as a thing that we we're trying to acquire out there to truly understand that, that love is an inside job. And love is the basis from which, as I said earlier, the love is the basis from which all things unfold. The, the, the truth that we teach, and I do believe this as a truth, love is the impulse of creativity in the universe. That everything that exists is rooted in this energy of love. And when, when we are in alignment with that, then the energy is constructive. And when we are out of alignment with that, then the energy can be destructive. But it's all one energy. It's love. And if we decide to be in alignment with it, which is a decision, and that's the great news. We all have the choice to either be in alignment with it or to be out of alignment with it. You get to decide. I'm not going to tell you which way to be. Be in alignment with, be in alignment with it. <laughs> The funny thing is I went, oh, I'm covering up the mic. No, I'm not covering up the mic. Hmm. I want to go to something that uh, is in the Brene Brown quote to start with. We often try to acquire a sense of belonging by fitting in and by seeking approval which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Boy, you are speaking my language today. I've done this in my life. I think if we all took time to reflect, we would all see the ways in which we have done that in our lives. I don't think there's, um, well, if there is anybody here who has never done that in their life, <laughs> here's, here, here's, here's, here's what this really brings up for me. What the world needs, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> what the world needs is not more of the same. We don't need more of the same. We need you. We need you to be your most magnificent, unique self. It is up to you to determine what that means. It is not up to anybody else to say, well, the way that I see you being your magnificent self is in this particular fashion. Doesn't matter what my, what my opinion Just is. Right? Yeah, so I say all of this, but talk to my husband. <clears throat> but, you know, he, we do the same thing to each other. <laughs> the world needs you to be your own unique self. The world needs you. I love that we put this on the wall because I get to go to it all the time. The world needs you to remember who you are. And in remembering who you are, to be the most magnificent you you can be. This month's theme, the, the theme of the month, and the funny thing is I've not put a slide up, but I'm going to start putting the slide up what the theme of the month is, because does anyone know what the theme of the month is? Oneness. Hmm? Harvest? Uh, no. <laughs> ish, ish. What was it? Oneness. It, essentially oneness. 
but I put into the graphic that goes on Facebook, uh, blessings of infinite oneness. So that it says boo down the side because it's also <laughs> the month of Halloween. <laughs> the theme of the month has, it has been blessings of infinite oneness. And, it, and, and I chose the theme of oneness with an eye to the knowing that those blessings are found in our uniqueness. That's where the blessings are found. Not because we all try to be the same, but precisely because we are all unique. Fundamental in this teaching is that unity expresses as multiplicity. The infinite, the, 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 the absolute energy, that loving energy expresses itself in as many ways as there are Concepts of its expression, people in this world who express it, beings in this universe that express it, there is absolutely no limitation to the way in which you can express your uniqueness and your magnificence. So, why do we try so hard to fit in? That's the question. I've done it. Why do we try so hard to fit in? It is rhetorical. <laughs> but what's your answer? We're not loved unconditionally. Oh, see, now you, can, now, now you can take me down a tangent. What if I said to you that you absolutely are loved unconditionally? When we're interdirected. When we're interdirected. We are, each and every one of us, loved unconditionally by the very source itself. And if we try to apply that to something outside the self, I guarantee you, you are going to be disappointed in life. Because not everybody that you encounter is going to love you unconditionally the way your own source loves you. you? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Today, our work is to step up and stand out. Woo. I can set that down for a while. Maybe, maybe not. This could turn into a free-for-all. Why the heck not? I already do that. I know you do. I know you do. You know, Darwin, your, your reputation precedes you. But the truth is our reputation precedes us no matter where we go, whether we are aware of it or not. And when you walk into a room, the truth of who you are is expressed before you ever encounter another person or open your mouth. That's how our reputation precedes us. So who do you choose to be energetically? That's a big question. Because you can change the entire, you can change the entire energy of a room by being the love that you are at your core. Have you ever had the experience of walking into a room and feeling the deflated energy? What do you choose to do in that moment? Do you choose to go in alignment with the deflation or you, do you choose to be something else? Because one alone in consciousness with the infinite constitutes a complete majority, Ernest Holmes wrote. And if we decide that our loving presence can lift the energy of an entire room of people, I guarantee you, you can do that. So do you do it? Rhetorical. <laughs> do you do it? Or do you choose to allow yourself to be rolled over by the energies, by the feelings, 
the collective ideas that are outside yourself that may not be so constructive in your life. Our work is to step up and stand out, not because our ego demands it, but because it is our birthright. Our birthright is to be an open, free, unique expression of the infinite source. And we get to do with, live with, express as that all the time. And we're doing it whether we are aware of it or not. But we can find ourselves coming into alignment with a collective conscious idea, a collective energy that may not be so good for us. So our work, and it's work, nobody ever wants to hear that. It's work until you have embodied it to such a degree that it is no longer work. So I get a lot of, I get a lot of people <laughs> saying to me, wow, you're, you're, you're so optimistic, you're smiling, your energy is so high all the time. And I say, yes, absolutely it is. But it took me work to get there. And I can tell you, for the people that live with me, my father is living with me right now, there are times when my energy is not so high and my outlook is not so optimistic. That does happen. But I also have the tools, the practical tools, to be able to address it when it happens. And that's the whole purpose and point of being here in this community, is that we are here to teach these practical tools, to allow you to engage these practical tools so that you know what to do and you are not overrun by the energy and emotion and feeling and everything that is outside the self. And that is how we step up and stand out by being our unique self and taking charge of our expression as this thing called life, as this thing called light, as this thing called love. For you are love, and love is a synonym for God, so you are God. Are you acting accordingly? Rhetorical. I lived a backwards life in some ways, because it took me a while to get back to this place of being you know, uh, so optimistic that people think I'm a little Pollyanna-ish, and I don't care. <laughs> Let me be Pollyanna-ish. So, in my, it's funny, because I'm talking about my childhood too. When I was growing up here in Tucson, I think, and my reflection and my remembrance is, I was a very, very outgoing, gregarious child. Is that your understanding. How about you, Pop? Did you think I was an outgoing and gregarious child? You knew everything. I was a ham, that's for sure. I was hard to keep up with. That's a good way of, of expressing it. But what I realized in retrospect is that I was gregarious, now get this, as a way of hiding. As a way of covering up those places where I could express my vulnerability. I could not express my vulnerability in so many ways. And part of that is growing up in the 1980s, in the age of, of the AIDS epidemic, and understanding and knowing that I was most likely a gay man. And dealing with that was challenging. So in my private heart space, I was very conflicted and had a really hard time with expressing my unique self. But I hid it very well by being in plays and playing other characters and being gregarious and outgoing and, you know, trying to be the popular kid at school. And, a lot, and, and, and I had a lot of help from Carrie Mon because she was always a year ahead of me and I'm going to just acknowledge this 
out there right here and right now, that she would always be able to come home and tell me how I could, uh, how I could align myself in such a way that I would become popular because she knew everybody before I did. So I was always, I was always a pretty popular kid in school. Thank you. <laughs> She told me all the secrets, but here's what happened. I lived my life backwards because when I did finally come out at the age of 18, I actually then retreated into my vulnerability and I became very shy. I became very shy. And I think a lot of that had to do with, I didn't know how to be this person in the world because the entire collective consciousness was telling me how to be something else. I didn't really mean this to be overly about coming out, but you know, we're all coming out in some way. When we express our vulnerable selves, that is coming out in whatever way that expresses. It just doesn't have to be in the spectrum that I'm talking about today. So I retreated and I hid and I became shy and people perceived me as being cold and standoffish and an introvert. I am a little introverted. People don't believe that, but I am. Because I find that I am more filled in the times that I spend and I fill myself up in the times that I spend on my own. But I love community too, I love people. So maybe I'm an extroverted introvert. <laughs> but allowing myself, allowing myself, and it is a sense of allowing myself to be authentically me was a challenge. And that challenge showed up in my career as well. I got a lot of flack for, for skills that I didn't feel I had when I was in an acting career. And you know what changed that was coming into a philosophy that said you are perfect you are unique, you are magnificent, just as you are. You are enough. When I touched into that authentic part of myself, I'll tell you, it changed my acting. It changed that part of my career. Because the other thing is, I had to demonstrate that in ministry, when I was studying to be a minister, I had to demonstrate that whatever happens up here is authentic. It has to be authentic. And I choose to be authentic. I choose to, you know, sometimes maybe say too much. But if I'm not authentic, then nobody should be here. Because why would you listen to that? So I was gregarious. I went to being shy. And I've come back around to being much more gregarious in my life. And I live this life of optimism. I live this life of high energy. I live this life of walking around smiling wherever I go. I believe that the progress of the collective, the wholeness, I believe that the progress of the collective, the evolution of the collective requires each and every one of us to step forth in our own unique expression without limitation in our own hearts of how we think we are going to be perceived. Because I'll tell you, you're not going to please everyone. Let's just start there. 
I've said it before, when I first was in ministry, I wanted to please everybody. I, wa I wanted to be everybody's minister. And I finally realized, oh, you know what? That's not possible. It is absolutely not possible. I'm going to be the most magnificent, inspirational person I can be for myself and trust that whoever shows up is perfect for this. There are people who started off being vibrant members of this center, Tucson New Thought, who have drifted away because they don't resonate with my expression of ministry. And I bless them for that, to know who they are and move to whatever is perfect for them. But y'all better keep showing up. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do to stop working so hard to fit in and allow ourselves to start standing out? Because that is truly how we belong, by being our unique selves. That's what Brene Brown is talking about. I love the work of Brene Brown. Love it. Love it. So I have some tools to tell you about today. Oh, the first one's going to feel like, Ugh! at least it did for me when I was considering it. One of the tools that we can use to stop fitting in and start standing out is by taking risks. Does that put fear in anybody's heart? Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Risk is not something to be feared. Appropriate risk. I do want to be clear. Appropriate risks. I'm not the type of person who thinks that it is a good idea to jump out of an airplane even if I have a parachute. That's just me. To me, that is, if I'm in a perfectly good airplane, I choose to be in that airplane, and I don't want to jump out of it, although I did think that for my 50th, instead of walking the way, I would do skydiving, but I'd rather walk the way. Evolution, and specifically spiritual evolution, requires risk. Because if the larva never breaks out, of the uh, breaks out of the chrysalis, then you will never have the butterfly. That requires risk. It requires a decision to say, yes, I am going to be authentically me. To fit in means never going beyond your limitations, your own perception of limitations. Literally, if you fit in, literally, you are still in the box you have created for yourself. Think about it. God does not fit in a box, and you are God. So break the barriers of the box. Expand beyond the box. Step up stand out. Now, like I was saying, don't confuse risk with poor judgment. You can, you can utilize discernment in your life to know what is right for you. Use it. Be discerning. I think one of, one of the big questions, and this is how I know this is how I know if, if, if a particular experience of risk is right for me. And it is this. If I knew I couldn't be saved, would I move forward? If I knew I couldn't be saved from whatever it is I've decided to take a risk around, would I move forward? 
Is that a possibility? And only the answer in my own heart will determine for me if it is a risk worth taking. Because I may decide it's not worth it. I may decide that, and that's okay. But I also know that I will not evolve unless I am willing to take risks in my life. When we risk, we show our vulnerability. That's the biggest risk, I think, is allowing our vulnerability to be worn out loud. How many of you, it's rhetorical. <laughs> Just take a look in your own heart. How many of you are willing to live in your vulnerability? Vulnerability is expressed in the innocence of not knowing. Vulnerability is not knowing. But the truth is, we can never know what the future holds. We like to think we can. We like to make all these grand plans. But we do not know what the future holds. Emerson said this, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. The innocence of not knowing can be your strength. And I think it is your strength. That's what Brene Brown is also saying. See, I, literally, she sent me the, I had already worked out that I was going to be <laughs> focused on Brene Brown today. <laughs> so here's, my, here's, here's, here's part of the homework that I would like you to do this week. Do something unexpected. Do something that is unexpected for you in your own heart. It doesn't have to seem unexpected to anybody else, but I want you to do something unexpected. Do something unexpected. Don't get too caught up in the anxiety of an unknown future. After all, after all, the future has become the past in the time it has taken me to say this sentence. It's that fast. So don't get too caught up in the future. Um, let go of past regrets as well. Why are you holding on to past regrets? Why are you holding on to past regrets? They only haunt you. They don't haunt anybody else. They don't do anything for anybody else. Let them go. That's a way to step up and stand out. Let go of those things that you regret from your past. They are not worth anything except to make you miserable. That's it. That's all they do. Sharing our past, now I want to be really clear, sharing our past can help us heal the present and create a solid foundation for the future, as long as you don't get stuck in the past. You cannot get stuck in the past, because if you are stuck in the past, it will never bring healing to your present, and it will build a future that is founded on quicksand. So that's, you know, I, I, I got a rap for a while by saying, oh, we need to let go of the past. We need to let go of the past. We need to let go of the past. And then people come to me and say, well, why do you talk about stories from your past in your ministry if you're saying let go of the past? And I said, and it's because of this. It is because of this. Sharing my past can heal the present. 
And I only ever talk about things from my past that I feel I have a point of view around and I have moved through that have been healed. I will never talk publicly about those things in my past which are still as yet in need of healing. And they do exist, but that's the work. That's the work that we do in spiritual practice. So getting stuck in the past will never bring healing to our present. It will build our future on a foundation of quicksand. Don't fear your own voice is the other part of this. Do not fear your own voice. Practice what you preach. <laughs> For those of you who only hear the audio of that, I said, practice what you preach, and then I pointed to myself. <laughs> practice what you preach. It doesn't take much to step up and stand out. Ultimately, what it takes is a decision, a decision rooted in your heart and with the understanding that you are a most exquisite expression of love. Live that unique nature every single day, every single day. And I will remind you of the homework. Do something unexpected this week. Do something unexpected. I'm checking in with my own heart to see what is mine to do in this moment. And this morning as we were, as everyone was filling out the numbers, I said I reserve the right to not do the random reading today and I feel like what I have said today is sufficient so I'm not doing the random reading today. Um, and I'm going to do something unexpected. Are there any questions? Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. I have one, but now I didn't expect I'd be able to ask it, so I put it aside. <laughs> think about it. It's okay. Are there? Is there anyone else while she thinks about it? Boy, I'm good. <laughs> We're good students. <laughs> yes. So the tool that worked for me, and, and ultimately this is a journey that we all have to be on to find that which works, because I will always say technique is anything that works. My technique may not be the technique that works for you. The, Could you repeat the question? Yeah, so the question essentially is, is there a tool to launch us into that higher vibrational level of optimism, where love is at the core of everything we think, <laughs> say, and do? That's basically how I'm interpreting your question. Is that sufficient? The tool that worked for me most profoundly, actually, was meditation. And I'll tell you why. There is one purpose in my heart for what meditation is all about. Meditation is to know one thing and one thing only. Oh, I put a little, there we go. Remembering who I am. Remembering who I am. Because when I allow myself to... In a, to, and, and I like to do meditation in an active way. Most people will say meditation is a passive experience. I like to engage in meditation in an active way. I like contemplation. So I'll usually contemplate on an idea. 
One of the ideas that I love to contemplate, and I will use this as a mantra, is this. There is only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. And as I allow myself to utilize that as a mantra, I have found that place within my heart where I remember who I am more consistently when I'm not in the practice of meditation. Because ultimately it's about reconnecting the synapses into a new way of being. Because I got a lot of messages that told me I was something else growing up. I got a lot of those messages. Allowing those messages to simply be put aside, remembering who I am and actively engaged in the practice that it takes to rewire the synapses is what changed it for me. Is that, is that helpful? Beautiful. Anything else? Anyone else? Ah. All right, then. If there's anybody online, you can post your comments in the... I don't know why I'm pointing over there. I guess because on the screen, I think the comments are over there. <laughs> you can post your comments in the uh, comment section or post a question in the comment section, and I will do my Something Extra video, which I don't know if anybody saw that last week. Um, and there are forms in your handouts. If you do have a question that comes up, you can fill out the form in your handout, put it into the offering basket, and I will address it as part of my later in the afternoon video that goes live on Facebook called Something Extra. So there we are. I'm grateful to each and every one of you for your attention, for your time, for your love, and for the blessings that you share with me. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.